Welcome to The Deeper You Go, The Weirder It Gets. I'm your host, Garrett Rennan. Just a quick reminder, if you're enjoying the show, let me know. Hit the subscribe button, leave a review. And also I've got gear, hoodies, hats, beanies, t-shirts. So the links to all that can be found in the show notes. So this is part two of a of at least a three-part series about human creation myths. If you haven't heard part one, I suggest you listen to that episode first. It will give you a little more context behind this creation myth series. So with that being said, here's a quick summary of part one. So in part one, I discuss the story of Adam and Eve and how it's much more complex than it appears on the surface. The story of Adam and Eve is about humans waking up and becoming consciously aware of themselves. It's about humans transitioning from a lower state of awareness to a higher one. And this transition represents the moment we humans took a major leap forward in our evolution. Before this moment, our lives were closer to that of a typical animal's existence, We were just existing, just going through the motions, so to speak. But after this transition, we woke up and we began to realize that we had godlike powers. Almost overnight, we discovered that we had the ability to create and manipulate our environment. We developed the ability to think critically and creatively, which has allowed us to develop things like language, mathematics, art, music, and technology, among many other things. And while the story of Adam and Eve may seem childish, or at the very least, a made-up fairy tale, just remember two key points. One, stories don't necessarily have to be factual in order to deliver truths. I've talked about this many times. And, And number two, science has no provable explanation on how we gain consciousness. This means that the Adam and Eve explanation of how we gain consciousness is just as probable as any other theory out there. And Adam and Eve's explanation is that we humans are not just simply a product of random natural selection. Instead, it tells us that humans are a product of creation, that our evolution was accelerated by an outside force, some sort of higher intelligence or highly advanced being. While this idea may seem a bit far-fetched, it's worth noting that some of the oldest writing on record tells a very similar story. But before I get into that, I want to do a little thought exercise. I want you to take a moment and think about the oldest written document. Have you ever thought about this? Have you ever wondered what's the oldest shit to ever be written down and what, what does it actually say? Well, while you're thinking about that, I want you to keep in mind that humans are the only creature that can read and write. So we are extremely unique in this regard. Also, remember that we somehow obtained the skill of reading and writing, and no one knows how or why we developed this ability. Now imagine you're one of these first humans with the ability to read and write. What would you write down? What type of information would you want to pass along? See, the main purpose for writing is to transfer information. Sure, there are some entertainment aspects about reading and writing, but it's really about preserving knowledge and information. 
So if you're one of the few that had the ability to write, to share, and preserve knowledge, what would you write down? So after thinking about that, so after thinking about all that, you might find it extremely interesting that the oldest writing we have on record is about some really weird shit. (laughs) It's basically about an advanced alien race that lives on a hidden planet in our solar system who came to Earth to gather resources and that these advanced beings are directly responsible for not only the creation of the human race, but also our, our enslavement. So think about that for a second. The oldest writing we have basically sounds like a sci-fi action movie starring Bruce Willis. I mean, doesn't that blow your mind? These primitive humans, as some would call them, could have written about anything, and yet they chose to write about the missing link. They chose to write about how they chose to write about how we were created and by whom. I don't know about you, but I find that extremely fascinating. Now, there are two ways to take this information. You can either believe that what they wrote was true or that it was false. Now, in all honesty, it's probably much more complicated than these stories being strictly true or false. But in general, how you view these stories has a major impact on how you view human history. If you believe them to be false or wild exaggerations, then you tend to gloss over these ancient time periods, believing that they were nothing more than primitive people with big imaginations. However, if you believe these stories are true, or you are at least able to look at them with an open mind, then the world of possibilities suddenly gets much larger. And this is just one of the many reasons why I call the podcast the deeper you go, the weirder it gets. Because when you look at these old stories without any preconceived notion and open to the possibility that they are speaking some sort of truth, the world gets stranger and stranger. Okay, so the oldest writing on record is around 7,000 years old and comes from the Sumerian and Babylonian civilizations of Mesopotamia. This area was known as the Fertile Crescent and is currently located near modern-day Iraq. What's really interesting about these early writings is that that they were written on either stone or clay tablets, and this writing is known as cuneiform, which leads to another question. Why would someone use stone or clay tablets for writing? Well, there is really only one reason, and that's to preserve the information for as long as possible. Unlike paper, which has a relatively short lifespan, these cuneiform tablets can withstand nearly everything, even fire and floods, which is the only reason that they're still around today. So not only did they choose to write something down, they went to extreme lengths to preserve these writings for thousands of years. And if you think that's crazy, just wait, it gets a whole lot weirder. As I mentioned earlier, these tablets were created by the Sumerian and Babylonian civilizations of Mesopotamia. Well, the Sumerians just might be the most interesting group of people to have ever lived. According to mainstream science, Sumer is considered the first human civilization. This means that before Sumer existed, humans were hunter-gatherers living in small nomadic tribes And then after Sumer, humans began living more stable lives in large, complex cities. 
In other words, Sumer represents a transition point in human behavior. It's the moment we went from living a more primal existence to living a more modern lifestyle. It's the moment we went from being uncivilized to civilized. Okay, so here's the crazy part. Sumer is considered to be the world's first human civilization, but this first civilization is anything but primitive. Instead, Sumer was, was an extremely advanced civilization having developed complex, complex laws, mathematics, architecture, art, astronomy, and currency. Logically, this doesn't make any sense. The first version of anything, be it a cell phone, car, airplane, computer, or human civilization, is usually crude and awkward compared to later versions. However, the first attempt at human civilization and and the Sumerians created the equivalent of an iPhone 11. Okay, so maybe that's a bit of an exaggeration, but not really. Sumer is extremely advanced, in some ways maybe even more advanced than our current society, just in a very different way. Their artwork, the writing, the imagery, the architecture is not only advanced, it's out of this world advanced. They have many creations that would be hard to produce today. And don't forget, all their artifacts have lasted thousands of years. Sumer rivals ancient Egypt in its complexity. The mainstream scientific view is that evolution and human development is supposed to be linear, meaning it starts out simple and gradually becomes more complex as time goes on. And this idea definitely makes sense. And you can even see this idea play out in our early history. If you go back, let's say, 200 or 300 years from today, you can see how nearly everything has developed in a linear fashion. As time went on, humans improved nearly everything. We improved our infrastructure, our technology, our ability to travel, our health, and even our morals. But when you go back far enough, like several thousand years, this linear progression no longer exists. The older the discovery, the more complex it usually is. Sumer is the perfect example of this. Unfortunately, because it it is so old, a lot of information has been lost to the sands of time, which means we will probably never fully understand just how advanced this civilization was. However, the stuff that has lasted is extremely advanced. And there's a fascinating four-hour-long documentary about ancient Sumer called Kingdoms of Sumeria, which discusses their history and shows all the artifacts, architecture, and writing from Sumer that has stood the, t- the test of time. It is absolutely mind-blowing, especially when you consider that no other civilization has existed before. This was Human Civilization 1.0. You can view this documentary on YouTube, and I will post the link in the show notes if you're interested. Now, I must say that there is now some new information coming out about older civilizations, namely Gobekli Tepe, which is not only considered to be older than Sumer, it also seems to be just as advanced, if not more. But the story of Gobekli Tepe is is possibly another podcast episode. This episode, I just want to focus on Sumer, the first civilization according to mainstream academia. Okay, so I want to reiterate two ideas. That ancient Sumer was extremely advanced, having developed complex laws, mathematics, architecture, art, astronomy, and currency, and that they are considered the first civilization. 
I bring that up again because it leads into the next question we should all be wondering. How did they learn all this? Why were they so advanced? So are are you ready for this answer? The Sumerians, they claim that all the knowledge they acquired was handed down to them from the gods who resided above them in heaven. According to many Sumerian experts, heaven means either space or a higher dimension. Basically saying that they received all their knowledge from gods or advanced beings who came from above. They documented their encounters and even the human creation story on cuneiform tablets, the most famous tablets being the Adrahasis, the Enuma Elish, and the Epic of Gilgamesh. Just like the story of Adam and Eve, the Sumerians wrote down the human creation story. In fact, many argue that the story of Adam and Eve and many other stories from the Bible, such as Noah and Cain and Abel, are just different versions of the Sumerian stories. Anyway, what the Sumerian creation story basically says is that we were created by the gods. These gods were called the Anunnaki. Now, I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of speculation as to what the Sumerians meant when they talk about the Anunnaki. But speculation or not, according to many accepted translations of these tablets, many, many of these ancient stories definitely describe the Anunnaki as our creators. So here's a kind of a general summary of the Sumerian creation myth. The Anunnaki came to earth in search of more resources. However, these gods did not want to do the actual work. So in order to satisfy the physical requirements of essentially mining earth, they decided to create a being capable of performing physical labor. So they, more specifically the Anunnaki god called Inki, decided to mix the DNA of Earth's early hominids with Anunnaki DNA, thus creating a new species. And because they used their own DNA, this new species was created in the image of the Anunnaki. Does that sound familiar? See, if you remember from the story of Adam and Eve, when God created Adam and Eve, he he also created them in his image. Okay, so... Let's go to the source. Tablet one of the Adrahasis states, when the gods, instead of man, did the work, bore the loads, the gods' load was too great, the work too hard, the trouble too much. Let us create a mortal man so that he may bear the yoke, the work of Enlil. Let man bear the load of the gods. Nintu made her voice heard and spoke. On the first, first, seventh, and fifteenth of the month, I shall make a purification by washing. Then one god should be slaughtered. Then a god and a man will be mixed together in clay. Let a ghost come into existence from the flesh of from the god's flesh, and let the ghost exist so as not to forget the slain god. So basically, that says what I just talked about that. The Anunnaki wanted no part of the work required to mine earth. So they created humans by mixing a god and an early man. The next part that says, let a ghost come into existence from the god's flesh and let the ghost exist so as not to forget the slain god. This is basically the divine spark. It means that while we may be physical beings, we have the spirit of the gods within us. This is basically the equivalent of God blowing into Adam's nostrils the breath of life. 
Okay, so now the story gets even more interesting. Enlil is Inky's brother, and he and Enlil instructed Inky to just create a primitive worker that was only intelligent enough to comprehend and take basic orders. However, Inky decided to disobey orders and secretly created Homo sapiens to be extremely intelligent and contain large amount large amounts of Anunnaki DNA. In addition, Inky encoded within humans DNA, specifically the non-coding DNA I talked about in episode 6. So Inky encoded within humans DNA the ability to raise our level of consciousness which meant that if humans reached their highest potential, that we had the possibility of either rivaling or becoming greater than our creators. This, of course, did not go over well with Enlil. He became furious, initially wanting to kill all humans. And then when that didn't work, Enlil promised to never allow humans to reach their full potential. This created a divide amongst the Anunnaki, with some of the gods wanting humans to be primitive creatures just capable of performing simple tasks, and some wanting humans to achieve godlike status. This disagreement between Enlil and Inki is described in Tablet 2 of the Adrahasis. We, the great Anuna, and this is what the Anunnaki called themselves, so we, the great Anuna, all of us, agreed together on a plan. Anu and Adad were to guard above. I, Enlil, was to guard the earth below. Where you went, Inki, you were to undo the chain and set us free. You were in charge of control and holding the balance. But instead, you gave wisdom and knowledge to the people. Your creations have become too numerous and despoiled the earth. You imposed your loads on man. You bestowed noise on mankind. You slaughtered a god together with his intelligence. Let us make farsighted Inky swear an oath to the end to create a flood on earth to wipe away all life. Inky spoke to his brother, why should you make me swear an oath? Why should I use my power against the people? That is Enlil's kind of work. So basically what that tablet says is that humans became so smart that it was obvious that Inky had disobeyed orders and created humans to be much more than simple-minded workers. So Enlil decided to kill all the humans by creating a massive flood on earth. Now this may sound familiar because it's basically the story of Noah. So in tablet three of the Adrahasis, it, it states, after the noise of the flood had subsided, the warrior Enlil spotted the boat of Adrahasis. He was furious we, the great Anuna, all of us, agreed on an oath. No form of life should have escaped. How did any man survive the catastrophe? Anu made his voice heard and spoke to the warrior Enlil. Who but Inki would do this? Inki made his voice heard and spoke to the great gods. I did. I did it in defiance of you. I made sure life was preserved. So basically, Adrahasis is Noah, or Actually, really, Noah is Adrahasis. Just like the story of Noah, Inki told Adrahasis a flood was coming and to be prepared. He did this, of course, because he didn't want his creation to die. Like I mentioned earlier, this has created a divide between the Anunnaki, where some wanted some want to destroy us, or at the very least, keep us asleep. They want they want to prevent us from reaching our highest potential, and some want us to wake up and become gods. This struggle or divide is similar to the debate scientists currently have in regards to artificial intelligence. 
Some scientists want to create a fully functioning, living artificial intelligence, and others say that creating something with that much power and potential would be too dangerous. It's also the plot of Westworld. The creators of Westworld built human-like robots. And in Westworld, if you didn't know, it was a show on HBO. So anyway, Westworld is an adult amusement park. Humans get to interact with these lifelike robots and play out their wildest fantasies. The robots were supposed to look and act like human, but have no real intelligence, awareness, or memory. They were supposed to be non-thinking programs. However, one of the creators secretly encoded the robots with the ability to slowly become conscious. And so eventually, the robots began to wake up and realize their potential. Okay, so back to the Sumerian creation myth. Because the flood wasn't able to wipe out all the humans, Enlil, who was the ruler of Earth, concocted a plan to keep us from reaching our potential by conditioning society to exist in a paradigm based on war, fear, anxiety, and a false understanding of the true nature of reality. See, the emotions of fear, anxiety, paranoia, scarcity, doubt, and depression well, these are low vibrational emotions, and they tend to put it put in a they tend to put us in a state of survival. And when you are in a survival state, it's impossible to expand your awareness and grow your potential. And look at our society today. We live in a world with constant war, and when we're not fighting with other countries, we are fighting our neighbors. We argue and fight with people who have different political views. We argue with other people in groups that have different opinions, different points of view, or different perspectives. It's almost like we've been programmed to fight with each other because as long as we are fighting, we will remain divided. And this divide prevents us from growing mentally, spiritually, and even physically. In addition, we are constantly being bombarded by fear porn. Just look at all the news headlines and the information the media, including social media, puts out. Most of it is fear-based. It's all meant to keep us in a state of panic. Not to mention that we are that we overconsume, we are materialistic, and we have lost our connection to the to nature and the cosmos. It's, it almost seems like the God Enlil has made good on his promise to keep us from reaching our potential. However, at the same time, people are also beginning to wake up and beginning to question the nature of reality. Many people are breaking away from the ideas of fear, anxiety, scarcity, and are starting to focus more on love, compassion, courage, and abundance. Many people are starting to raise their vibrations and expand their awareness. So this is where we're at. We are in a battle for our consciousness and for our potential. It's like Star Wars is real, or at least the idea of the force. There's a dark side. There's a dark side of the force and a light side of the force. And the dark side is trying to keep humans asleep. And while, and while, the, other, and while the other side is trying to wake us up. To bring this back to ancient Sumer, Enlil is like the leader of the dark side of the force. He and his group are the ones trying to keep us down, whereas Inki and his group are the ones trying to wake us up. And this idea that some gods want to keep us asleep while some while others want us to wake up leads us into part three of this series. So in the next part, part three, I'm going to talk about 
Gnosticism. All right, until next time, see you on the other side.